Hello everyone, it's Miss Studebaker here. I'm so happy to be bringing you Tiger Talks. This is definitely the coolest thing that I've ever done, so I'm pretty excited. We'll be reading The One and Only Ivan by Katherine Applegate. I'll be reading about 10 pages at a time because this book is not broken up into chapters. Along the way, I'll be having some awesome guests on the podcast that you might know that will read this book to you, so it won't just be me every time. I encourage you to put some headphones on if you have any, get comfy, and let's get started with The One and Only Ivan by Katherine Applegate. With the permission of HarperCollins Children's Books. Still Life One day, Helen came home with something large and flat, wrapped in brown paper. Look what I bought today, she said excitedly as she tore off the paper. A painting to go over the living room couch. Fruit in a bowl, Max said with a shrug. Big deal. This is fine art. It's called Still Life, Helen explained, and I think it's lovely. I dashed over to examine the painting, marveling at the colors and shapes. See, said Max's wife, Ivan likes it. Ivan likes to roll up poop and throw it at squirrels, Max said. I couldn't take my eyes off the apples and bananas and grapes in the picture. They look so real, so inviting, so edible. I reached out to touch a grape and Helen slapped my hand. Bad boy, Ivan, don't touch. She jerked her thumb at Mac. Honey, go get a hammer and a nail, would you? While Mac and Helen were busy in the living room, I wandered into the kitchen. A cake covered in thick chocolate frosting sat on the counter. I like cake. Love it, in fact, but it wasn't eating I was thinking about. It was painting. The frosting peaked and dipped like waves on a tiny pond. It looked rich and gooey, dark and smooth. It looked like mud. I scooped up a handful of frosting. I scooped up another. I headed to the refrigerator door. It was perfect, an empty white waiting canvas. The frosting wasn't as easy to work with as jungle mud. It was stickier and, of course, more tempting to eat. But I kept at it. I scraped off every last bit of that frosting. I may have eaten a little cake, too. I don't remember what I was trying to paint. A banana, most likely. I suppose I knew I was going to get in trouble. But at that moment, I just didn't care. I wanted to make something, anything, the way that I used to. I wanted to be an artist again. Punishment I soon learned that humans can screech even louder than monkeys. After that, I was never allowed in the kitchen. Babies Back in those days, the Big Top Mall was smaller. It had a pony ride, a wooden train that bustled around the parking lot, a few bedraggled patriots, and a surly spider monkey. But when Mac brought me, a baby gorilla dressed in a crisp tuxedo to the mall, everything changed. People came from far and wide to have their pictures taken with me. They brought me blocks and a toy guitar. They held me in their laps. Once I even held a baby in mine. She was small and slippery. Bubbles flowed from her lips. She squeezed my fingers. Her rear was puffy with padding. Her legs bowed like bent twigs. I made a face. She made a face. I grunted. She grunted. I was so afraid she would fall that I squeezed her tightly, and her mother yanked her away. I wonder if my mother ever worried about dropping us. We always held on, but that's easier to do when your mother is furry. Human babies are an ugly lot, but their eyes are like our baby's eyes. Too big for their faces and for the world. Beds 
One day, after many weeks of loud talking, Helen packed a bag and slammed the front door and never came back. I don't know why. I never know the why of humans. That night, I slept with Mac in his bed. My old nests were woven of leaves and sticks and shaped like his bathtub, cool green cocoons. Mac's bed, like mine, was flat, hot, without sticks or stars. Still, he made a sleeping sound like the rumble my father used to make when all was well, a sound from the deep inside his belly. My Place Mac grew sullen. I grew bigger. I became what I was meant to be. Too large for chairs, too strong for hugs, too big for human life. I tried to stay calm, to move with dignity. I did my best to eat daintily, but human ways are hard to learn, especially when you're not human. When I saw my new domain, I was thrilled, and who wouldn't have been? I had It had no furniture to break, no glasses to smash, no toilets to drop Max keys into. It even had a tire swing. I was relieved to have my own place. Somehow, I didn't realize I'd be here so quite so long. Now I drink Pepsi, eat old apples, watch reruns on TV. But many days I forget what I'm supposed to be. Am I a human? Am I a gorilla? Humans have so many words, more than they truly need. Still, they have no name for what I am. 9,876 days. Ruby is finally asleep. I watch her chest rise and fall. Bob, too, is snoring. But my mind is still racing. For perhaps the first time ever, I've been remembering. It's an odd story to remember, I have to admit. My story has a strong shape, a stunted beginning, an endless middle. I count all the days I've lived with humans. Gorillas count as well as anyone, although it's not a particularly useful skill to have in the wild. I've forgotten so many things, and yet I always know precisely how many days I've been in my domain. I take one of the magic markers Julia gave me. I make an X, a small one on my painted jungle wall. I make more X's and more. I make an X for every day of my life with humans. My marks look just like this. X, 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 X. The rest of the night I mark the days and when I am done, my wall looks like this. X, 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 thousands of X's and so on, until there are 9,876 X's marching across my wall like a parade of ugly insects. A visit. It's almost morning when I hear steps. It's Mac. He has a sharp smell. He weaves as he walks. He stands next to my domain. His eyes are red. He is staring at the window at the empty parking lot. Ivan, my man, he mumbles. Ivan, he presses his forehead against the glass. We've been through a lot, you and me. A new beginning. We don't see Mac for two days. When he returns, he doesn't talk about Stella. Mac says he's anxious to teach Ruby some new tricks. He says that Billboard is bringing in more visitors. He says it's time for a new beginning. All afternoon and into the evening, Mac works with Ruby. Ruby's feet are looped with rope so that she cannot run. A heavy chain hangs off her neck. Mac shows her Stella's ball, her pedal, pedestal, her stool. He introduces her to Snickers. 
When Ruby obeys Mac, he gives her a cube of sugar or a bit of dried apple. When she doesn't, he yells and kicks at the sawdust. When George and Julia arrive, Mac is still training Ruby. Julia sits on a bench and watches them. She draws a little, but mostly she keeps her eyes on Ruby. Bob watches too. He's hiding in the corner of my domain under knot tag. It's raining outside, and Bob does not like damp feet. Ruby trudges behind Mac, her head drooping. Endlessly, they circle the ring. Sometimes Mac slaps her flank with his hand. Suddenly, Ruby jerks to a stop. Mac pulls the chain hard, but Ruby refuses. Come on, Ruby, Mac is almost pleading. What is your problem? She's exhausted, I say to myself. That's the problem. Mac groans. Idiot elephant. Idiot human, Bob mutters. Walk, Ruby, I say, although I know she's too far away for, to hear me. Do what he says. Walk, Mac commands. Now! Ruby doesn't walk. She plops her rump on the sawdust floor. I think maybe she's tired, Julia says. Mac wipes his forehead with the back of his arm. Yeah, I know. We're all tired. He pushes Ruby with the heel of his foot. She ignores him. George looks over from the food court where he is wiping off tables. Mac, he yells. Maybe you should call it a day. I'll close up. Mac yanks on Ruby's chain. She's as anchored as a tree trunk. He pulls harder and falls to his knees. That does it, Mac says. He brushes sawdust off his jeans. I'm through playing around. Mac stomps off to his office. When he returns, he's carrying a long stick. The gleaming hook on its end is almost beautiful, like a sliver of the moon. It's a claw stick. Mac pokes Ruby with the sharp point. Not hard, just a touch. I can tell he wants her to see how much it can hurt. I growl low in my throat. Ruby doesn't budge. She's gray, unmoving boulder. She closes her eyes, and for a moment I wonder if she might have been fallen asleep. I'm warning you, Max says. He breathes out. He stares at the ceiling. Ruby makes a huffing sound. Fine, Max says. You want to play it that way? He draws back the claw stick. No, Julia cries. I'm not going to hurt her, Max says. I just want to get her attention. Bob snarls. Max swings. The hook slices the air just a few inches above Ruby's head. See why you don't want to mess with me, Max says. He draws back the claw stick again. Now move! Ruby jerks her head, flinging her trunk towards Mac. She makes a noise that sends the sawdust scattering. It makes my glass shiver. It is the most beautiful mad that I have ever heard. Ruby's trunk slaps into Mac. I don't see exactly where she strikes him. Somewhere below his stomach, I think. And I know he must be uncomfortable because Mac drops the claw stick and falls down on the ground and curls into a ball and howls like a baby. Direct hit, Bob says. Poor Mac. Mac groans. He stumbles to his feet and hobbles off toward his office. Ruby watches him leave. I can't read her expression. Is she afraid? Relieved? Proud? When Mac is gone, George and Julia lead Ruby from the ring. It's okay, baby, it's okay, Julia says, stroking Ruby's head. They settle Ruby in her domain and make sure she has fresh water and food. Before long, Ruby's dozing. Dad, Julia asks as George locks Ruby's iron door. Do you think Mac could ever hurt Ruby? I don't think so, Jules, George says. At least I hope not. 
Maybe we should call someone. George scratches his chin. I wish I could help Ruby, but I wouldn't know how. I mean, who could I call? The elephant cops? Besides, George looks down. I need this job, Jules. We need this job. Your mom, the doctor's bills. He kisses the top of Julia's head. Back to work. You and me both. Julia sighs and reaches for her backpack. She removes a piece of paper, a bottle of water, and a small metal box. Homework first, George says, wagging a finger. Then you can paint. It's for art class, Julia explains. We're doing watercolors. I'm going to paint Ruby. George smiles. All right, then. Just don't forget your spelling. Dad, Julia asks, did you see Max's face when Ruby hit him? George nods. Yes, he says all in me. I did. He shakes his head. Poor Mac. He turns away, and only then do I hear him laughing. Alright guys, that does it for another episode of Tiger Talks. I am so glad that you decided to listen today. I will record another episode very, very soon and upload it as soon as I can. Have a great day.